This morning's scripture is from Ephesians, second chapter, verses one through nine. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show to us in Christ show to us the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is from the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast this is the word of God for the people of God Thanks be to God. Welcome again to worship this morning. Over the last three weeks, we've been looking at Paul's words uh, in the book of Ephesians and Peter's words about the labels that God has given us because too often we live with labels that other people have given us, labels that other people have placed on our lives. And those labels, they always seem to come with expectations. And those expectations weigh us down and threaten to crush us because of how heavy they are. Think about it. Every label that you've ever been given has a set of expectations associated with it, attitudes associated with it, behaviors associated with it. Believe me, if you've ever been labeled a drunk, there were some expectations about your conduct, right? Oh, that's how he always acts. That's, how she, that's the way she always acts. When you've been labeled a workaholic, there are some expectations about the way you have ordered your life. The labels that we carry in our lives, good, bad, and otherwise, they each seem to carry weights and expectations. So I don't know what label it is that you carry personally, but I do know that all of us are living beneath the stress and strain of labels and expectations that we've taken on for ourselves. I'm a worrier, so I just, I worry. That's what I do. I, I don't go places because I'm worried. I'm not smart. I'm, I'm stupid. So I, I don't study. Because it wouldn't matter anyways, even if I did study, right? I'm unlovable, so why even put myself out there to just be shut down one more time? I'll just be rejected once again. And those labels... The problem with them is that good or bad, these words, these labels that have been placed on us becoming, become the determining factors for our values and our actions and our motivations as individuals. But there are some problems with the labels that we live under, especially if those labels aren't given to us by God. And this is the first problem with the labels that have been given to us. Those labels can change, right? Right? 
I mean, you can go from, from poor to rich. We've seen this happen before, right? You can go down uh, to the end market or to the Parkers, and you can pick up a $2 lottery ticket or a $5 Powerball, I think is what Powerball goes for now. And you can go from being broke to being a billionaire, right? Right? You can. Your label could change just that quickly. One Tuesday night, your life could change. But friends, if your long-term financial strategy involves lottery tickets... Talk to me. We can, we can set you up with some better advice, right? That's not a good plan because if that's your plan, your label of rich will become broke once again. Strong friends can become weak. We've seen it again and again. The strongest among us can suddenly be taken out by injury or illness and become weak. Broken, though, can also become healed. Hurting can become made whole. Labels, friends, they can change. Here's another problem with the labels that we live under. More often than not, the labels that you've been given are given with people who don't have the authority or the right to place a label on you or on your life. That guy that called you that name your parents who, who called you whatever it is that they happened to call you, that group of kids back in high school or God bless it, middle school, who told you what you were and who you were, they had no power, they had no right, they had no authority to label you. They don't get to do that because they don't have the power and they don't have the authority unless we cede that power and authority to them. The only person with the right, with the authority, with the power to actually label you is God himself. It's God himself who labels us, and this is what God labels you. If we go back to Ephesians chapter 1, God labels you chosen before the foundations of the earth. God labels you adopted into God's family. God labels you holy and set apart just as he is holy and set apart. And this morning, we're going to look at another label that God has given us. God labels us. He calls us alive. Now, before I get into how great it is that, that it is to be alive in Jesus Christ, I want to tell you that death is a big problem. Surprise, right? Death is a big problem. It's a huge problem. It was a huge problem in the Old Testament. It was a huge problem in Jesus' day. It was a huge problem for the early church. It's a huge problem for you and me because the reality is, friends, none of us get out of this life alive. None of us get out of life alive. Death is a problem. And the reason is because once you're dead, there's nothing anybody can do to help you. And I'm not talking metaphorically here. I mean, when you're in the casket and the preacher is doing his thing, there's no songs that can be sung or words said or prayers prayed that can affect the outcome of your life. Nothing can change from that point. Physical death is bad. And it's a consequence of the fall. It's a consequence of sin. It's a consequence of being a human being in this world. Our curse, because of the corrupting power of sin, is death. Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, had they not sinned, would never have experienced death. But because of sin's corrupting power, 
the whole of creation is brought down. And we are subject to sin, to pain, and to death. And friends, physical death is bad, and it is a consequence of the fall, but y'all, we aren't just physical beings. The end of us doesn't take place when our hearts stop beating and our eyes close in death. You and I, we're also spiritual beings. We have souls that go on living into eternity, go on living forever after our bodies have failed. And if you thought that physical death is a big deal, I've got to tell you that spiritual death is an even bigger deal than that. There have been times, friends, in my life when I've worried about my physical death. But what's scarier than physical death is closing my eyes and thinking of what eternity separated from God would look like. And I'm not here to scare you with images of devils with pitchforks. I'm here to tell you that if we're apart from God, we cease to be. And there is nothing scarier to me than the thought of an eternity spent separate from God where I cease to be, where everything ends in nothingness. Being spiritually dead is a huge deal, friends. Louis Giglio says this, because sin makes us spiritually dead. You could die physically and live forever spiritually dead and separated from God forever, and that's a big problem. Jesus comes to earth to make us spiritually undead, not physically undead, but spiritually undead, so that when we die, we can live forever in the presence of God. Our sin causes spiritual death, and without a remedy, without a savior, without someone to intervene, we are doomed to spend eternity separated from God. And Paul gets right to the heart of this here in Ephesians chapter 2. Take a look there with your notes or or back up on the screen. Remember, Paul writes these words. In in chapter 1, he says, you are a chosen people, you are an adopted people, you are a holy people. These are the labels that God uses for us. Then he says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Paul calls it like it is. We are dead in our transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. I don't know if you have a pencil or a pen or a marker or a crayon or a highlighter underline that last clause like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath because our nature is corrupted the very core of who we are has been impacted by our sin And as a result, all of us deserve wrath. All of us, if we're left to our own devices, deserve wrath. Not a single one of us has lived a life worthy of deserving eternity with God. Just let that sink in for a moment, friends. You could be successful. That could be your label. You could be rich. That could be your label. You could be powerful. That could be your label. You could be an expert. You could be a pioneer. You could be the best at whatever it is that you happen to be or happen to do. You could be whatever. 
But no matter what label you are living under, the same reality is true. You and I, by nature, deserve the wrath of God. We, by our own nature, are dead in our transgressions and sins. And that could be the end of our story, friends. That could be the end of our sermon. That could be the final word spoken over our lives, except Paul goes on and shares with us one of the most incredible words in all of Scripture, one of the most incredible words in all of the Bible. Paul shares this word. He says, but, and it's a big but, a great big but. I know, you can chuckle, right? It's a butt that we all should like. And that's the end of the butt jokes this morning. Paul says, like the rest, we were, deser- we were by nature deserving of wrath, but, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in, in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Even when we were dead, God worked to make us alive. It's by grace that we've been saved. Paul told us earlier in Ephesians, it's out of God's love that God chooses us. It's out of God's love that we are adopted into the family of God. It's by God's love that we are called holy and set apart for God's mission in the world. And it's by God's love that we are made alive. It's nothing you've done. It's nothing that you can do. For God, who is rich in mercy, made us, we who deserve wrath, who are dead in transgression and sin, God made us alive through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the deal. The problem with death isn't solved by our work. It's solved by God's love through his son, Jesus Christ. Not only that, but Paul goes on, he says, and God raised us up with Christ. Raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, in other words, for all eternity, that he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Paul says the problem of death isn't something that you and I can solve. It's it's the problem that's solved by God's love alone. God's love poured out through Jesus Christ. God's love offered to us through his son, so that if we choose to live in a relationship with him, if we choose to be chosen and adopted into his family and set apart to be holy as he is holy, then we inherit the free gift of eternal life through him. We get it. To be alive, truly alive. Jesus in John 10 will say that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life to the fullness or life that truly is life or abundant life. This is the whole purpose in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. I've got to fill you in on something, church. The thing that the world is looking for is something that will make them 
truly alive, not just feel alive for a moment, not just numb the pain of existence, not just help them detach from their current reality. What the world is searching for is how to, be, how to come truly alive. What that campus across the street, all 20,000 plus students over there, what they're searching for is some meaning, some way to come alive. What our, our city and our state and our world is hunting is that thing which will cause them to live beyond themselves. And friends, we know what the answer to that question is, don't we? It's not found in a bottle. It's not found in a bedroom. It's not found in a BS or a BA or an MRS or an MR. It's found in Jesus Christ and the love of God poured out through him. You chosen people. You adopted people. You holy people. You people who've been made alive, won't you share with the world the secret and the truth that you know? That it's God who loved us in spite of our transgressions and sins that's caused us to come alive. Not just for a moment, but for all eternity. Through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. What, incredible, what an incredible gift that we've received. And what an incredible gift that we get to share with the world. This is our story. And this is our song. That God loved us enough to save us. So that we could tell others of the grace that we know. Would you pray with me this morning? Almighty God, we give you thanks, Lord, for the ways that you are moving in our hearts and in our lives, God. We give you thanks, Lord, that you have chosen us and adopted us and set us apart to be holy and to be a part of your mission here on this earth. Lord, help us to come alive in you as we choose to accept your offer of grace. Help us to say yes, God, for the first time to that offer. Help us to say yes for the 50th time or the 500th time, God, so that we might take one more step towards you, one more step toward becoming the people that you created us to be, one more step toward becoming fully alive in you. Lord, we pray that if there's brokenness in our hearts and lives, Lord, that you'd bring conviction, God, that you'd remind us, Lord, of our sinfulness and brokenness and of our great need for you. We pray, God, that you'd also remind us of your abundant grace, which calls us to repentance and to new life, true life. It's found only in you. Lord, stir among us this morning. Let your Holy Spirit fall on us, that as we worship and as we carry our worship out into the world, that others might know your power, your grace, but above all that, your great love. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.